I do need to wear plaid sometimes. All right. Good morning, guys. How we doing? Good. Thank you, Katie Brubaker. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be up here speaking, with you, speaking to you guys today. Last week, Betsy talked about making room for the church, and the week before that, Ryan talked about making room for people in our hearts and in our physical space. And so I'm going to kind of go down that road as well, although I want to ask you guys a question. How many of you guys play high school sports? Yeah, a lot of us. It's a big part of our lives. How many of you guys play soccer, though? Soccer's my game. I love soccer. And I love soccer because it's a team sport. You have to get 11 guys all on the field working together in just the right way to get the ball from one end of the field to the other. And that's the most fun part of, of soccer, I think. And sometimes what happens is there's always that one kid who, who makes it less fun, the kid who's always trying to be in charge. I remember there was this one kid when I played on, on Glen Oaks' team. We're just going to call him John for now. But he would always be barking out orders. And it was, he was the kind of guy where it was my way or the highway. So if you didn't do exactly what he said to do, or if you messed up while doing it, then it was all your fault. And we could have scored or won the game because of that. And I, I remember this one game. He literally left, like it, it was halftime, and he left the game because he went to pass a ball to a kid, and the kid wasn't able to get to it, and the other team was able to intercept the ball and run, run down, and they scored. And you know, John was just so mad at this kid, and he's like, "You should have ran to the ball. How do you not know how to play soccer at this point? You should know what you're doing." And oh my, but um, <laughs> good morning. But he was just very. My way or the highway, I'm always the person who's in the right. You guys have met people before like that who always think they're right. You know, my opinions and what my actions are better than everyone else's. Uh, it's not a new concept. It's called self-righteousness. It's not a new concept. Jesus dealt with this all the time back in, his, back in his day and age. He dealt with it with the religious leaders, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And we're going to talk about that today. And so if you guys want to open up your Bibles to Luke 15, verse 11, it should be on the screen, but once again, Luke 15, verse 11. And this, what I'm going to read from is Jesus is telling a parable. And parables are short stories designed to teach a lesson. And so we're just going to start jumping into that right now. So again, Luke 15, verse 11. It starts off, Jesus continued there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So guys, I, I want to give you a little context on this. So the younger son, he's asking for his share of the estate. Now the share of the estate, it was kind of like, like an inheritance, if you think about it that way. It was usually something that 
the dad gave to his sons after he's dead. And so what this younger son is saying right now is, hey, dad, you're dead to me, or I wish you were dead. I just want my money. You don't mean anything to me. And this, that's the first crazy thing. This son just wants his money, and he wants to go. And so the dad gives it to him, and he leaves. But what happens is that there's a famine. Now, a famine means that there's no food, or food is really hard to come by. And after he's blown all this money on wild living, he, he starts to work. But he works with pigs, and the pigs are on a higher totem pole than he is because they get the food, and he doesn't. And so he realizes this might not have been the best idea. And the story goes on, it says, in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That's awesome. But the thing is, the father didn't have to do any of that. In the time period that they were in, the cultural norm was that the father never ran anywhere. It was expected that his sons would come to him. And so when he sees his son naked and hungry after taking his money, after saying, hey, dad, I wish you were dead, he sees him coming back, he could have responded, hey, I don't, this, this isn't my problem. He can walk to me and he can go to his room and he'll be grounded for the next million years. But he doesn't do that. Instead of letting hate take over, he says, love, I need, this is my son and I need to love him. And that's a great story, but the thing is, that's not the end yet. It goes on and it says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Guys, this, this kid was angry. That'd be like, it would be like saying if you were in a group project and you did all the work, because that's how group projects go. And then you got an A on the project, but both you and your partner got an A, and then your teacher comes up to you saying, wow, both of you guys did such a great job that I'm going to give you guys bonus points on the final. And you're standing there like, 
He doesn't deserve those bonus points. He doesn't even deserve the grade that he got because it was all on me. This older son is saying, my brother just messed up royally, and he's coming back, and there's a party getting thrown for him. If anything, I deserve to have the party. I've been working. I've been perfect this whole time. And in that moment, he shows how self-righteous we can be. He's saying, I'm right, but what he did was absolutely wrong. And the thing is, too, he's not perfect. He can't judge someone because he's not perfect. In Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5, you guys don't have to turn to it. It'll be on the screen. But it says, do not judge or you too will be judged. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. What this older brother is doing, he's saying, he's overlooking all the mistakes that he's made in the past, and he's just looking at the present right now. He's saying, I'm perfect in this moment, and because of that, it's, it's my way or the highway. Basically, he's saying, I'm better than my younger brother. He doesn't even acknowledge him as his younger brother. He says, this son of yours has come back. He's wasted everything. Maybe he's forgotten the time where he's stolen from his father before. Maybe if he was here in this year, day and age, maybe he's forgotten the time where he's watched porn. Maybe he's forgotten the time where he sat in the parking lot at school smoking. He's not perfect, yet he's blaming someone else for not being perfect. And the father's response to this is, is this. He says, if we could go to the next slide. He says, my son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The, the older brother didn't want to go into the party at all. He wanted to distance himself. And the father, he goes out and he pleads with this son. And he says, look, everything I have is yours. You're wrong and this, this is why. He doesn't distance himself. He doesn't go back in the house, say, fine, you stay out here and pout. I'm going to go have fun and party. Guys, we need to do that. We see the self-righteous person all the time, and we say, I don't like the way you act, the way you think you're better than everyone else. And we say, I'm just going to go over here and not worry about what you have to say. That's the opposite of what we need to do. First of all, that completely cuts off a relationship. But what that also does is that allows that self-righteous person to continue being self-righteous. Recently at MOVE, it was the very last night, and the MOVE organizers asked all the adult leaders to come forward onto the stage. And then they said, hey, students, if you want to come up and have a leader pray for you, you can. It doesn't have to be your leader, but just come up, and we'll have a leader pray for you. And I remember praying with these two girls from Illinois that I had just met, and I remember praying 
God, let us not forget these relationships. Let's be like iron sharpening iron. That's what we need to be. We need to be iron sharpening iron. We can't distance ourselves from people. We need to hold people accountable. Because if we don't do that, then we're not gaining anything, and they're certainly not gaining anything. And as we, as we walk with these people, as we try to be iron sharpening iron, we have to remember something, that we can't become self-righteous while we're tending to the self-righteous. I read earlier that we have to take the log out of our own eye to remove the speck in someone else's eye. We have to hold each other accountable for things. We can't say one thing and do another because that makes us self-righteous. Being, thinking we're better than another makes us self-righteous. Self-righteousness is sitting here for 20 minutes listening to me, me talk, thinking, hey, there's someone in my mind who I'm really glad's hearing this, or you're thinking of someone who's self-righteous, like I wish they were listening to this, when you haven't thought for a moment, do I need this? Am I the self-righteous one? Because I got this down, you know, people around me, they need it. That's self-righteousness. I want to go back to talking about soccer real quick. Uh, back to John, there's one game I remember really vividly, and it was the semifinals of playoffs. And it was Glen Oak versus Hoover, and it was a big game because both the teams had so much history together, it was insane. And what happened in the game was we played for about two hours that day. We went into double overtime because no one had scored a single goal that entire game. And the refs finally told us we were going into penalty kick shootouts. If you don't know what a penalty kick shootout is, it's when five kids on both teams, they get a free shot on goal and they try to score a point for their team. And at the end of everyone going, the team with the most points wins the game. PK shootouts are the most stressful thing man has ever invented because one, it takes the team aspect that I love so much about soccer and it puts it on the back of five individuals. And you will know by the end of those penalty kick shots who messed up, who was right and who was wrong. So our first kid gets up. He's the star midfielder. He's the guy who's been making plays all game. And he gets up and he kicks the ball and he makes a goal. And there's a little weight lifted off our shoulders. We're like, that's great. And then the Hoover kid gets up and he scores a goal and it's tied one to one. And then our next kid gets up to kick his penalty kick. And he's a sophomore, but he's good enough to be varsity. He's a young kid, but he's good enough to be varsity. And he gets up and he places the ball and he kicks the ball, but the goalie dies at just the right moment to deflect the ball from the goal. And John is standing next to me, says, doesn't he know how much this game means to us? He just lost the game for us right there. He doesn't deserve to be on this team. Have you guys heard that before? You don't deserve to be here because you did this wrong, because I'm right. And he said, when I get up to do my penalty kick, I'm going to be the savior of this team. I'm going to go up and make my goal and tie this up. So their second Hoover guy gets up and he scores a goal, and it's now two to one, and John gets up, and he's swaggering up there like he's hot stuff. He puts the ball down, he winds up, he goes and he kicks the ball, and then there's this silence. And there's this silence because everyone's looking at the goalie 
who hasn't moved an inch, but he has the ball in his hands. Looking down and looking up like, I can't believe this kid just kicked the ball straight to me. And John's just standing there. He doesn't have a word. I can only imagine what he's thinking, but I know what the guys on the bench are thinking. We're thinking, hey, this kid just, just bashed on this sophomore, telling him he wasn't good enough to play soccer, that he shouldn't play soccer because he missed this. And for four years, he's been yelling at kids because of the mistakes they've made, and he hasn't acknowledged any of his own, but he's made a mistake right here and right now. And all I could think about was all the blame shifting, all of the self-righteousness that was going to happen, that, wow, I can't believe you've done that. How could you do that? We would have won. But instead, that didn't happen. Hoover ended up winning. They ended up scoring you know, the rest of their penalty kicks. And as we all came into a huddle, I expected the blame shifting to start, the self-righteousness. I told you so. I was right. You were wrong. But instead, we started crying and hugging each other. And yeah, we were crying because we lost, but also because there were 12 seniors on that team that year. We had played soccer together for four years. We had invested in each other's lives for four years. We had eaten meals together. We had been with each other for four years through the thick and the thin. And now it was finally over. The last game that we would ever play together was finally over. The team would never be the same as it was in that moment. And instead of saying, I know that I was right when I played that game. These, we could have won if he had just kicked the ball in this right way or passed the ball this way. Instead of nitpicking on things, we decided, hey, we've been together for four years. Let's be with each other and let love conquer this self-righteous superiority complex attitude. So I have a question for you guys. Are you guys going to be like the older brother in the story who says, I've done everything perfect, I've done everything right? Or are you going to be like the father who says, hey, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to hold you accountable through the thick and the thin, and I'm not going to leave your side because that's what God calls us to do. Will you pray with me? God, thank you that I'm able to come up here and talk to each and every person here. Lord, I pray that some of my words, that they hit home and that they were able to understand what I had to say, Lord. And I pray that as we go out from this Sunday, that I pray that we not forget what it's all about, Lord, in your name. So, guys, here's what I want you to think about. Brad said something there right close towards the end that I want you guys to focus on. So often we can come here, we can hang out with our friends, and we can be in here, and we can be, we can be the church that, that, that Jesus has called us to be. We can find ourselves standing in here and seeing someone walk through the door and be like, what are they doing here? Why are they, don't, why are they here? I know what they were doing last night, and they don't belong here. I think a lot of times we can come in here and we can hear a message that's convicting and we're like, man, you know who really needs to hear this message today? We can find ourselves constantly doing that. We can find ourselves saying, you know what, that message today about loving others, you know who really needs that? My older sibling or my best friend who's not a believer. Or we can find ourselves saying, you know what, if, if they would have heard that message today, man, I think it would have really radically changed their lives. 
And I think what we need to realize is those times where we say that, we find ourselves saying, hey, the, the self-righteous person is out there, but we don't realize that each and every one of us are the self-righteous people. I mean, it's you guys and it's me, it's Brad, it's all of us. We find ourselves in these moments where we say, man, I am better than that person, or because of the choices that I make, I've separated myself from that person, and I am better than them, or the choices I make are wiser than them, and because of what I choose to do, I see myself as a little bit of a better person as they are. What we need to realize, when we're talking about the self-righteous, making room for the self-righteous, we have to make room on ourselves first. We have to get ourselves in check. The way that we make room for the self-righteous is we eliminate it from our own lives. And so as we continue to, to, to gather together, as we continue to do life together, my encouragement for you guys is to identify the self-righteousness in your own life because it exists in all of our lives, wherever we are. It can be in our relationship with Jesus. It can be in our abilities and our talents. It can be in the way that we treat others. And so my encouragement for you guys, as we continue to, to, to navigate through this series about making room, I encourage you guys to begin to say, hey, this was a good message. I can give it to a friend. I can, I can encourage them to check out a podcast. But really, this was intended for me today. And so begin to, to, to look at it from that, from, that, from that platform. And I think as we begin to do that, we can understand that, hey, there is something that God has planned for me every single day and in every single interaction. Something that God is trying to show me in my life. And so I encourage you guys to continue to do that as we make room for others. Hey, we just want to remind you that we have, a, we have a light week coming up. And so it's a great opportunity to connect with one another, to connect, to have fun. Uh, if you're doing something and you're doing it alone, I encourage you to call a friend. Say, hey, this is going on. If you and a group of friends are hanging out, I encourage you, invite a freshman. Invite somebody that, don't, that you don't normally encourage to invite. Have them come and be a part of it. We're trying to build community here, guys. And uh, I think that happens through each and every one of you saying, I want to be a part of that. So, guys, I hope you have an awesome week. We'll look forward to seeing you on Tuesday night if you're for Bible study. If not, we'll see you next back, uh, back here next week on Sunday. Have a great week, guys.